Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. So I also wanted to talk today about a little bit of economics because I thought this was interesting. I bought a collection of uh, German covers from the inflation period. And I think a lot of the listeners know about the inflation period of Germany. So I was watching some history on World War I at the end of the war. And uh, the Austrian Empire was an interesting situation because they signed a treaty in France. It wasn't at Versailles, it was someplace else. Yeah. I forget where it was. But Austria signed a separate, everybody signed separate peace treaties. Bulgaria signed a separate peace treaty, Turkey uh, signed a separate peace treaty. Obviously Russia signed a peace treaty with Germany while the war was still going. Everybody had separate peace treaties. Um, but Austria was interesting because at the end of the war, Austria ceased to exist. The Habsburg Empire was gone. And so they were sitting there going, why, why do we pay war reparations? Our country is gone. You know, we don't exist anymore. And the Allies said, no, 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 you still have to pay. You still have to pay. And so in actuality, Austria had to pay a higher amount per person in reparations than Germany did. Austria was hit harder than anybody else. And uh, the only way to satisfy the debt was to print money. And this is in addition to the fact that they had to finance the war before this. So now their country is gone. They have these, their money is worthless and their country is gone. So, But they kept the name Austria and so they got punished. Actually, they changed the name to Austrian Republic instead of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So, and in addition to that, you also had Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Poland, all these other places. So it was really interesting as to, you know, how this all worked. They started printing money, selling bonds. Nobody would buy their bonds, so their government bought the bonds and then issued the money, sort of the same thing that we do with the United States, you know. It, we try to sell bonds, if we don't buy, uh, sell them, then the Federal Reserve buys them and they just print money. Anyway, so Austria, uh, then after about two years, was so in the, I don't know, think of your own expletive, 
um, did the allies just sort of let them off the hook and said, you guys don't have to pay anymore. And they ended up actually making a big loan to them. So Austria was an interesting, uh, an interesting study in inflation of how bad things could get because their money literally went like 100 times um, the value in inflation. Their, their money supply increased by a hundred times. And so every dollar that they had was worth a penny at the end. So it was kind of interesting. Uh, did you see anything on, did you do any research on this on your way over? Oh, no. No? Uh. Well, I would like to point out that um, these kinds of economic things are not uh, isolated instant instances. There have been some rapid inflation periods in other places not related to war necessarily. What was that bill that you gave everybody? Oh, the Venezuela. That's a perfect example of uh, you. you How much was it worth originally when it was printed? It was a 25,000 Bolivar note, which a Bolivar uh, in 1999 was two Bolivars to the dollar. So this was a $12,500 note. And today, I don't know what the exchange rate is right now, but when I bought it, it was uh, one-twelfth of a penny. Yeah. So uh, it went from uh, a lot to nothing. (laughs) And that wasn't because of war. Yeah, and, you know, um, Argentina had a, you know, in Brazil... Those countries have had these kinds of things happen before, so it's it, easiest to see it in the German inflation period because the stamps were well. That's the one that printed. Yeah, that's so. the one that everybody sees. Yeah, and yeah. but you don't look at the Austrian one. That's why when I saw the Austrian inflation stamps and the story was like, oh, that's interesting. Just at the end of the Second World War. Chinese stamps had a tremendous inflation where the, where the, you had all of a sudden you had to have 70,000 of something to mail something on just a letter. Yeah, my favorite of some Lots of, the, of zeros. Well, my favorite on the Chinese stamps was they were overprinted and then they were overprinted again. So you have, uh, I remember one stamp, it was an eight-cent stamp that was overprinted $8. It was then overprinted $800. <laughs> so it's yeah. For the same service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Hungary, they were, uh, and we talked about the Otto Pengo and stuff like that in a prior podcast. That was a long time ago. But um, in the end, they had colored currency. They wouldn't actually put the amounts on it. And then they would change the values of the currency through various methods. And so you'd go to the store and they would tell you not how much it was because nobody looked at how much. They would tell you the color of the bill you had to pay. So it was like a loaf of bread was two greens and a blue (laughs) because they couldn't you couldn't use the numbers anymore. France, after the end of the Second World War, went through a tremendous inflation. They had they they had a system for a while where they had old francs, and then they had then the government came out with new francs that were worth 
Uh, I think it was uh, they were worth a hundred times what the old francs are worth. But if you uh, if you read uh, Ian Fleming Casino Royale, uh, Bond's a millionaire in in, in at, at the casino because he's counting it as old francs. <laughs> well, there was an old statistic that the only two countries that never had hyperinflation that destroyed their currency was Great Britain and the United States. And the United States is actually arguable because after the Revolutionary War, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. So I don't think the United States actually should have been put on that list. But with only two countries that haven't destroyed their currency... Yeah, that's an that's an interesting thing. We'll see if uh, Great Britain and uh, the United States uh, keep those records going over the next ten or fifteen years. Hmm. Well, the Dow lost eight hundred points today due to uh, inflationary um, news. Well, I mean, every, if you're a listener to the podcast, you know what I think about inflation. And if you have never listened to this podcast, well done. <laughs> and if How have the, you avoided that? If the FBI listened to this podcast, everything's going great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's um, interesting that we basically have a whole generation of people that have grown up with not knowing anything different than just printing the money. And... Um, Inflation is a natural, I mean, that's going to happen when you print a lot of money. Well, yeah, but again, I think as philatelists, we are much more aware of some things because Hmm. history is just embedded in the hobby. And like I was talking about, you know, we didn't talk much about German inflation because everybody in the world has talked about German inflation. I thought it was interesting about Austria. When you see Germany issuing a 50 billion mark stamp you go wow some billionaire had to say no no that was that was a normal person you know 50 billion dollars was like the equivalent of like express mail yep well and and the the bad thing about those inflationary periods is that you have money in the bank and if it turns into hyperinflation all of a sudden you, you're, it's worthless. Well, yeah, except people don't do that. No. If you see inflation, you, you spend s- your you money. You better spend your money. Um, in Brazil, when they had their hyperinflation, the workers would be paid at noon, go out on their lunch break and buy something. Because by the time they got off work at night, prices had gone up. Well, in... Uh, so that's, that's what hyperinflation does. In Hungary... The tax collection was so sensitive that if you put off your taxes for a day, the taxes you owed were valueless. But, you know, and again, because we're stamp collectors, we see this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not so certain that if you're not into history that you understand what inflation is and what it can do to you. I think we're going to find out. Uh, hopefully not. I think that we're in for a bout of bad inflation. Well, inflation is inflation. But, you know, you, our our country didn't crash in the 1970s. We fixed things. 
And I think we're in a situation now where we're in a worse situation, but we're going to fix it when people get serious about it. And we're just not serious. I mean, when you have a, and I'm sorry to get a little political here, but when you have a bill that's titled the Inflation Reduction Act, and it has provisions in it for giving the post office money to make uh, electric vehicles, you're not serious. I mean, if you were serious, you'd say the Inflation Reduction Act, we're going to raise taxes, we're going to raise interest rates, and we're going to lower the money supply. That's the Inflation Reduction Act, and we're just not doing that. People have been people have lived um, through basically two years of COVID with a lot of free money being passed out, and people were spending spending a lot of that money um, just because they didn't have any place to spend it. That's why mail order sales and things went up. But there is going to be a price that will have to be paid at some point. Well, economically, the problem there was when people lost their jobs, they didn't have so much money. So you stopped spending. Well, people didn't have their jobs, so you produced less. So there was less stuff to buy and less money to buy it with. The economic problem was there wasn't less money because everybody goes, okay, you're not producing stuff, but we're still going to give you the same amount of money. And all of a sudden, that's why everybody said, well, there's supply shortages. And it's, of course, there's supply shortages. You know, if the government mailed everybody a million dollar check today, guess what? There would be a shortage of Porsches and BMWs because everybody would want one all of a sudden. And you got a million bucks burning a hole in your pocket. That's not you know, that's not good economics. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, just to reiterate my last economics podcast, uh, if you have money in the bank, probably not a really great investment, invest in stuff. And if you're investing in stamps, you know, I like the prestige items. I think that they'll go up about eight to nine times in value. That's a good return on investment. Anything else? I saw the National Postage Stamp Collection in Washington last week. I had, it, was, it was a pleasure to see it again. It's on display at the old post office building, which is next to Union Station. To see things that, that, um, that you, to, to see complete sheets of proofs of things like the, uh, of uh, the Trans-Mississippi uh, sheets that are proof sheets. And to see a proof sheet of uh, the 313, that's uh, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. <laughs> and then to see some, and then to see the BK Miller collection, and see the, uh, uh, for instance, the imperforate um, uh, uh, official special printings, that's pretty spectacular. And also to look at the uh, look at the one cent Z grill that the Miller collection has, that uh, that was interesting also. So I highly recommend. I highly recommend a day. Just look. I mean, it took me a whole whole morning. Um, I was looking at the collection from about ten o'clock until two thirty when I took a break for lunch. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen now with England? Uh, Prince Charles is now King Charles, and uh, he has stated on several occasions that he's going to kind of divest of a lot of the stuff. And one of the things that 
Queen Elizabeth has is one hell of a stamp collection. Well, it's the family stamp collection that goes back to uh, George V, right? Yep. So I, I haven't heard anything about him getting rid of the stamp collection. I think what they get rid of is some of the, the properties and some of the buildings and things like that that they own. I mean, her estate alone is, I think, a half a billion dollars. Well, she was the queen. I mean, she she ruled an entire country with an iron fist. I mean, they said sent her troops to war to conquer foreign territories. Um, in in her in her reigns, name name a country that that they sent out. I mean, the, the Falklands. They were just trying to retain what they already owned. Ah, uh, no, that she, was self-defense. I know. I know. If you're, she was on the bridge. She was on the bridge of the aircraft carrier, yeah. in, in instructing the pilots of where to bomb. Yeah, I think it was Newsweek that had the front page on, on their cover. It said, "The Empire Strikes Back." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're Argentinian and you believed in the Islas Malvinas, that's one thing. But uh, uh, no, they, I can't think of anything that, they, that the English have done other than stand with us when we, went, when we went into Iraq and places like that. Well, I was watching part of the funeral processions, and they had the prime minister, I think it was, of uh, Tuvalu. And I've seen stamps of Tuvalu. Has everybody here seen stamps of Tuvalu? Sure. Are you aware, he, he was on there talking about uh, the queen, and uh, then he got into global warming. And I go, why the hell is he talking about global warming? So I did a little research. Mount Tuvalu, the highest point on the entire island chain of Tuvalu. You know how tall Mount Tuvalu is? Yes, because you told us at lunch. <laughs> 15 feet 15, above sea level. 15 feet. We call it a mountain. <laughs> One of the other Pacific islands that's equally famous for that same problem is uh, a, an island that basically was made by, by bird guano, and that's the island of Nauru. Oh. And... Uh, They've they've invested a lot. They've invested a lot of the money. They're worried just as much about uh, about the sea rising, and they've invested a lot of money all around the world. There's a uh, there's a there's a big apartment complex in Waikiki called the Nauru Tower. Yeah, but for all the people to go to when they get flooded on their well, island, they're thinking of the, they're thinking what they can do to, uh, to to actually have something left over after it's underwater. Well, the San Blas Islands. Down off of uh, Panama in the Caribbean, um, probably the highest point is about three or four feet above sea level. Maybe, maybe a little more, six feet, maybe. See, it boggles Just almost flat. It boggles my mind for two reasons. First of all, China is making islands. Mm -hmm. So why doesn't like Tuvalu just go out there and say, uh, you know? Global warming and blah, 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 blah. Bring why in more birds. Why, so, why don't we just, like, quadruple the size of the island and dredge up a bunch of stuff and do what China did? Yeah, every tourist has to bring a cup of sand <laughs> and leave it at the island. Well, what China's doing is taking those little atolls and building them up to put air bases military, on them. Military bases. Yeah. Yeah. Has nothing to do with living space. Well, I mean, all you need, all you need for that is a plot of land that stays three feet, three to four feet above the high tide. No, because I've seen buildings on stilts. Yeah. Well, I, I, I lived 
in a Los typhoon. Angeles, and I went down and I saw Malibu. And on in Malibu, they have houses on stilts that sell for multi millions of dollars. But you know, you get a typhoon across that, it rains havoc on your make believe island, <laughs> and then when the typhoon's over, there's there was nothing to blow over because there's nothing there. They land their planes again. So uh, the only thing that I can say is uh, kind of if you build your country on top of a sandbar, uh, you better, you know, be aware that you're on a sandbar. The wise man built his house upon the rock, yeah. not the sand. Well, then uh, I think it's time to wrap up the podcast. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silkon was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.